in a minute, can we just begin to worship God from the bottom of our spirits for just one minute? I just, I just worship God. Can you just say thank you, Father, for tonight? Can you just say thank you, Father? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all adoration. We say, Peter, exalted. We say, Peter, glorified. We say, thank you, Father. We say, thank you, Father. We say, thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. We thank you because you are the one working through us, both to will, even and to do of your own good player. We say, be thou exalted. We say, be thou glorified. We say, thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. For his blessings endure forever. Amen. For his mercies and your bread forever. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. For his mercies and your Red forever, amen. For his mercies and your red forever, amen. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have worship. Hallelujah. Um, good evening and welcome to night school today. I am very happy. To have us here even at this time today we want to you know study god's word and unravel certain a very important um term that is being used and often misused in the body of christ now one of the things that i have learned that is very vital and has helped my study and understanding of the scriptures is to describe i mean is to look at the uh, understanding or say the description of any word in the scripture by the scripture itself this is what i'm saying that the goal is to interpret whatever is said in the scriptures by the scriptures for example if the Bible says rest, my job, if I want to understand what God is saying, when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, if I want to understand what he meant by rest, I am not going to use English language. I am not going to rely on the dictionary meaning of rest. Because 
relying on the dictionary meaning of rest can be a big blunder. If the Bible says, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, I am not interested in the worldly definition of law. I am not interested in the English word for law. For example, English believes that love is a noun. But the love as introduced by the Lord Jesus is a verb. So this understanding, this approach to key words in the scriptures, by the scriptures, can change the entire outlook you have on God's word. Now, one of those key words that open the scriptures is the word grace. Hallelujah. Brethren, it is important for us to understand what exactly grace is. Now, if we don't understand what grace is, hallelujah, we may not be able to operate grace and we may misuse grace. Hallelujah. So what is grace? So tonight we have come to look at the dimensions of grace. Now, if you start a good study of the Bible, a good study of the Bible will reveal to us that the word grace was not so used in the Old Testament. Yes, it was used on a few occasions. But the moment the New Testament came into place, the word grace was emphasized more There is a reason for this. Hallelujah. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Let's start from there. John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we beheld his glory. Talking about the word of God now, that is the Lord Jesus. He says, The word became flesh, and he dwelled amongst us, and we beheld his glory. Bible says, as the glory, I mean, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. And the Bible says something that He is full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. He is full of grace and truth. So the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth came down along with the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Before the Lord Jesus, there have been other dimensions of grace. There have been certain dimensions of grace revealed to man operating in, on earth before the Lord Jesus came. But the Lord Jesus came with the fullness of grace. Now you might begin to wonder, what are these dimensions of grace? Take for example, when Zerubbabel was trying to be, was building the tower for God, and the work was going on smoothly, yet 
God sent one to Zerubbabel and says and said, It is not by your power, nor by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord. And what will my spirit do? My spirit will cry, is crying grace upon it. Hallelujah. So what is this grace? Before we define grace, we must understand, understand certain things. That one, the Lord Jesus came with the fullness of grace. And so before the Lord Jesus, there were a bit, just a few, you know, appearance of grace here and there. A few, just a few. But after the coming of the Lord Jesus, the fullness of grace came along with him. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. We're reading from verse 4 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 4 to 10. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us, Ephesus on this, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us. All right? Even when we were dead in sins, as quickened us together with Christ. The Bible says, by grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for he, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. How much more they that have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The Bible says, they shall reign in life by one. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Before we define grace, Ephesians 2, 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, who is what? Rich in mercy. The richness of his mercy gave back to his love with which he loved us. Or, better put, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us. What is the difference between the mercy of God and the love of God? Because this is crucial to our understanding of grace. Many times we say that we are in the dispensation of grace or that we are in the era of grace without understanding what grace means. Sometimes we think that grace is a license to misbehave. We think that grace is, you know, an opportunity to do as we please, just to misbehave and expect ourselves to be forgiven. But it's beyond that. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. Now, grace is the immeasurable provision of God to meet any need that the reconciled man may have. I repeat, grace is the immeasurable provision of God to meet any need that the reconciled man may have. In fact, let us correct that. Grace is the immeasurable provision of God to meet any need that men may have. John chapter 3, verse 16. God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life romans 8 32 hallelujah he that spared not his own son but freely gave him up for us all how shall he not along with him also freely give us all things he that spared not his own son but freely gave him up for us all how shall he not along with him freely give us all things if you compare these scriptures together john chapter 3 and verse 16 romans chapter 8 and verse 32 john chapter 1 and verse 14 and john chapter 10 and verse 10. now let's take those scriptures one by one again john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in the son should not perish but have everlasting life that's john 3 16. i want the scriptures displayed please romans 8 32 he that spared not his own son, that is God again, repeating John 3, 16, that God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, that whosoever believeth in the son should not, you know, whosoever believeth in this son should not perish, but also receive all things freely. Now, John 3, 16 calls, whoever receives the son says they will receive eternal life. Romans 8.32 says, whoever receives his own son will also receive all things. Hallelujah. Now, John 1.14. And the world became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, God gave his son that is full of grace and truth. Are we together now? And the Bible says that when God gave his son, he gave us every other thing that we need along with him. In Romans 8, verse 32. So what this means is that God's giving, I mean God's gift, which is the Lord Jesus, is the fullness of the provisions that he has for us. Let me repeat this. That God's gift to mankind, that is Jesus, 
is the fullness of the provisions that he has for us. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is filled with two things. Hallelujah. Grace and truth. Emphasis on this. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. So it means that the Lord Jesus, the revelation of the Lord Jesus to man can be categorized into two. And it is grace and truth. Hallelujah. The revelation of the Lord Jesus to all men can be categorized into two. And it is grace and truth. Now Jesus, the same Jesus said that you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free. And then he went ahead to say, I am the way, the truth and the life. So what he's saying in essence is that if you know me, then you will become free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Jesus himself didn't mention so much about grace. Perhaps the only understanding the Lord Jesus gave us about grace was in Matthew 6, 33, when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, Every other thing will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Now, we must understand that if Jesus is filled, is full of grace and truth, and Romans 8, 32 said that God has given us all that we need along with the Son, then the grace of God is the immeasurable provision of God to meet any need that men may have. And the first manifestation of this grace I want to get it now. Is truth. Because even truth is a manifestation of grace. And the entrance of truth multiplies grace. I want to get it. There is a very dynamic relationship between grace and truth. Truth itself is a manifestation of grace. Hallelujah. Now, the entrance of truth makes grace possible. Or say, multiplies and activates grace. So they have a dynamic relationship. Now, so if the grace of God, if you can agree now, that the grace of God is God's provision to meet any need, then we must understand that it is a product of God's unfailing love. God loved the world. So, grace is a product of God's love. I would say now. And was designed to replace the system of His mercy. Mm-hmm. This is where grace and mercy begins to part ways. Because what we do not realize is that mercy was a dimension of God's grace in the past. God's mercy is a dimension of his grace, a part of his grace. And then the fullness of that grace came down when the Lord Jesus came. Do not forget that grace is God's provision to meet any need that men may have. 
Now, before the Lord Jesus came, men were dead, separated from God. And it is only by mercy. It is only by mercy could God have related with men. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So men didn't deserve. The few men that God walked with didn't deserve that relationship. They didn't deserve the things that God did for them. Because they were naturally dead and separated from God. And there is nothing they could have done that could have changed their death status. So without the mercy of God, God wouldn't have been able to relate with Abraham. Without the mercy of God, he wouldn't have been able to relate with David. Without the mercy of God, he wouldn't have been able to relate with Solomon. He wouldn't have been able to relate with any of them. And that is why, when the Bible talks about a few of this man, it says, and so-so person found grace in the eyes of God. Because mercy was a dimension of grace. Hallelujah. So, mercy, the mercy of God, so to say, is the dimension of the grace of God. And it was a system that God used to relate with man until he gave out of the product of his law. Now, let's read Ephesians 2 again. Ephesians 2 again. It says, from verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in mercy, comma, says, For his great love with which he loved us. So even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. Mercy couldn't do the job. And this is what the Bible says, by grace you are saved. So without the fullness of grace, mercy couldn't be a consistent system. So the mercy of God was used as a temporary solution to keep the act going until the fullness of the grace of God came. Hallelujah. This is what many do not understand in the body of Christ today. That as beautiful as God's mercy is, Hallelujah, it was but a dimension of a fullness that we have received now. So as a believer in Christ, God has given unto you that which is greater than his mercy. And that is the fullness of his grace through Christ Jesus. And so to have received Christ Jesus and be asking for God's mercy is to say that you are disqualified from what God has qualified you from. I, I must emphasize on this for a minute. Now, the mercy of God was shown to men that are not qualified 
to walk with God. They were not qualified to receive from God. They were not qualified to relate with God. And so without God's mercy, things can't work for them. But glory be to God, he gave us his son that whosoever believeth the son, okay, will become partakers of the divine nature. And this is why Colossians 1 verse 12 says, we should give thanks to the father who has qualified us. So God qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And how did God qualify us? By his grace. So to seek God's mercy, I'm saying this now, seriously, that to, to continually be a man that is praying for God's mercy as a believer shows that you lack an understanding of the grace of God that the Lord Jesus brought. Because many of the things that you're asking God to show you mercy for is what he has provided through his son, according to Romans 8 and verse 32. Hallelujah. But sometimes, sometimes we approach God on the basis of his mercy because we know that we are falling short of his commandment for us. Hallelujah. A man that dwells in love dwelleth in God. A man that lives by faith will continually please God. If we, if only we understood love and faith, then we wouldn't be a people going around looking for God's mercy. Hallelujah. If only we understood love and faith, we would not be a people going around looking for god's mercy god's mercy okay was exposed i mean was extended towards unqualified men dead men before the lord jesus came and even though we were dead god created a permanent system for us through his grace hallelujah I believe that scripture should be clear now. These scriptures we have compared together should be clear now. So, grace is a product of God's unfailing love as a replacement of a system of mercy. Now, we must understand this, that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's grace to us. We must understand this, that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's grace to us. And there is a reason that God released this grace to us. Hallelujah. There is a reason that God released this grace to us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7. It says, And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 7. That in the ages to come, 
that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Look at this. The Bible says that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, not the exceeding riches of his mercy. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So it says that God qualified us together, hallelujah, with Christ Jesus, and made us sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So there is, we have been pre-qualified for his grace. When we believe, when we receive the Lord Jesus, we became pre-qualified, we became qualified rather for his grace, that he might show forth the exceeding riches. So there are exceeding riches in his grace. Hallelujah. This is a higher call to you, the believer. There is, there is an exceeding riches, or there are exceeding riches in His grace, in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. No wonder, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Let's read that scripture again. You know, sometimes when we don't understand what the Bible is saying, we don't, I mean, when we don't understand a singular word in the Bible, we can't really understand what the context of the scripture is saying. Romans 5, 17. So now that we understand that grace is the measuring provision of God and there are exceeding riches in it and you have been pre-qualified for this grace. I would agree now. Now let's read Romans 5, 17. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, if by Adam's offense, death reigned. It says, much more they which receive the abundance of grace. Hallelujah. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It says they shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now let's interpret the scripture on the basis of our understanding we have now. For if by Adam's offense, death reigned, death passed on all men from the time Adam fell. And this is why Jesus said, in John 10, 10, the thief cometh to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But it says, I am come that you may have life, and that you may have it abundantly. Hallelujah. Now, if this is the reason Jesus came, that used to reign because it had seen. Now, Jesus said, I came that you may have life. Now, listen to this. He now says, how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. He says, they are designed to reign in life just as death had reigned before life. So God expects us, listen to this now, it's very important, There's a, this is a higher calling. So rather than treat ourselves as a people unworthy of his calling, God is calling us to a higher standard and saying, 
I am expecting you to reign in life by the abundance of grace that you have received. That as death has given Satan an authority over the world and caused things to misbehave, you have the opportunity to replenish all that the devil has scattered. You have the life, the power, the grace to reign. So this is God's system of replenishment. Hallelujah. I believe you are beginning to see the possibilities that are in grace now. Now, you might not want to ask yourself, how did you receive this abundance of grace? Hallelujah. Let's ask yourself, who did you receive? When you became a believer, who did you receive? You received the Lord Jesus. And you confessed him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, don't forget that the Lord Jesus that you received is full of grace and truth. And now this is how abundance of grace came into your life. If it is Jesus that you received and the Bible is correct, I mean, John 3, 16 is true, then Romans 8, 32 is also true. That God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you. And so when you receive the son of God, you also received all things along with this son. You see, when you understand the scripture, then 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 will no longer be a mystery. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness. How did we receive all of those things? Because we received an abundance of grace through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe there are no confusions at this point. Now let's read that scripture from 17 to 21. It says, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment, as by the offense of one, judgment came on all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came on all men to justification for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous look at this now moreover the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace did much more abound that regardless of the amount of sin the grace of god has overcome it how did this happen first john chapter 2 and verse 2 jesus is the propitiation for our sins not just our sins but also for the sins of the world so wherever sin abounded grace did much more abound why because jesus has been made a propitiation for all sins now 21 now says so that the way sin has reigned to death even so might the grace of god reign through what righteousness that the same way sin in the past 
reign to death using the law as its enfo- I mean as a strength are we together the same way my grace reign through righteousness to eternal life by Christ Jesus so this is a call to live a life of sin and to live by Christ are we together now this is a call to live not no longer by the law of sin and death but to live by Christ. This is why Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I like to tell believers this every time I get an opportunity to do so, that you are not called to obey the commandments. You are called to practice. You are called to live the life of Jesus. There's a big difference. Hallelujah. So you are called. Can somebody say, I am called to live the life of Jesus? So you were called to live the life of Jesus. Because every now and then we ask some questions and then we're confused when it comes to the issue of grace. And so we can now see that grace is not just unmerited favor. As a matter of fact, grace is not unmerited favor. Really, there's only one part of grace that may be unmerited, but still it is not unmerited because it is the will of God not the will of man it's the will of god that christ should die for all men and that his grace is brought to all men beyond that point grace has to be worked how do i say this now beyond the point of receiving christ and receiving the abundance of grace the manifestation of this grace i was going to now requires an operation so let me say this that grace must be operated grace is not equal to sitting down idle okay and expecting god to come and do things for you grace must be operated grace must be lived Hallelujah. Our time is fast spent, so we'll not be able to look at um, you know, dimensions of grace tonight. But the grace of God next week, Thursday, we're going to be looking at the dimensions of grace. So let, now let's understand this. That we must understand again that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's grace to us. He is the fullness of God's grace to us. Now, so if the Lord Jesus is the fullness and the revelation of God's grace to us, we must understand that the grace of God then is experienced as Christ is revealed in the life of the believer. Oh, let me say this anyway. Let me say this way. That the grace of God is experienced as Christ is introduced to the man. So, it is the introduction of Christ to your man, to a man, that brings the grace of God to that man. I will together now. The same way 
the same exact same way is the grace of God that has been introduced to that man will be operated. The Christ has to be known and revealed. So the extent to which you experience the grace of God is the extent to which you know the Lord Jesus. This is why 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. Because it is the introduction of Jesus, because it's the fullness of grace. So it is the introduction of Jesus that brings grace into your life. So if you're going to multiply grace, if you're going to multiply peace, who you need to know is Jesus. So in other words, if you are a man trying to live by God's mercy, it is a, it is a sign that you know less of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why is it a sign that you know less of Jesus? Because what the Lord Jesus did for us is so wonderful. He didn't create um, songs that are lesser than him. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus didn't give, I mean, didn't create songs that are lesser than him in stature. No, he didn't do that. He was not selfish. So he didn't raise sons. Yes, that's the language to use. He didn't raise sons that are lesser than him in stature. As a matter of fact, he raised sons that are just as him in stature. And this is why he said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these, because I am raising you up to be in the same status as I am. So in other words, knowing Jesus is knowing yourself. Is somebody listening to me tonight? Jesus said, I am the vine. Hallelujah. He said, I am the vine and ye are my branches. Now, you and I understand that there is no separation between the branch and its branches. I mean, the, between the vine and its branches. There is no basic difference between the vine and its branches. The DNA of the vine is the DNA of the branches. The particulars, the abilities, the properties of the vine are the properties of the branches of the vine. So Jesus didn't raise sons that are lesser than even status. No, he did not. He raised sons to God that are just like him. I wish I could hammer this into our spirit. That Jesus raised you up just like him. This is what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 is saying. That God has raised us up together and made us sit together. He is not the only one sitting. We are sitting together in the heavenly places. The only reason we can't be sitting together in the heavenly places is because God has raised us up to be the same. Hallelujah. So the revelation of Jesus, this is why looking at the scripture is like looking at the mirror. So the revelation of Jesus that you have is the revelations of yourself that you can see. Though Jesus is Lord, are we together now? Are we together now? To the glory of God the Father, this will become a manifestation of your life. So basically, Knowing Jesus 
is knowing yourself. Understanding Jesus is understanding what he has called you to become. Is understanding what he has called you to be. Is understanding what he has called you to come and do. So many men do not know who Jesus is today and are not even interested in Jesus. We just want to use his name to pray and attract God's mercy. It's a lack of understanding of grace. Hallelujah. You must understand this, that God does not have any other revelation of provision for us outside of Jesus. Let me repeat. God does not have any other provisions for any man outside of Jesus. This is why the spirit of the living God, the top personality of the Godhead, responds to the name of Jesus. So I am repeating this. God does not have any other provision for us outside of Jesus. And so if God does not have any other provision for us outside of Jesus, we are not to approach God on the basis of his mercy. When he says that I have given you my son that is full of grace and truth that I may show forth the exceeding riches of my grace in the world to come. That those who receive my grace should reign in life. I believe that we are able to clear this understanding now. We have been able to differentiate between grace and mercy. As we're closing the meeting now. But the grace of God in our next class, in our next meeting, we're going to be talking about the um, these dimensions of grace, the operations of grace. Yeah, let's put it that way. Because you must understand grace. Hallelujah. So the grace of God is abundant in your life. It is not just about the covering of sin. It is not just about wiping out sin. There is more that the grace of God is meant for. There is more. The Bible says there are exceeding riches of His grace. There are exceeding riches. There are exceeding riches. There are exceeding riches. And by the grace of God, we experience these exceeding riches. Can we begin to thank God for tonight, for His word that is sent to us? Can we just begin to worship God for His word that is sent